everyone. Good morning. Welcome. Welcome to Wednesday Bible Study. If you've not been before, we're going through the whole New Testament. We're going a bit at a time so that we can really get into it and really, well, get to know Jesus better and um, understand, uh, understand who we are as Christians according to the New Testament. So we are in Matthew chapter 6. We're still in the Sermon on the Mount. One of Jesus' most famous sermons, and um, I like to point that out, that, hey, as we're reading the Sermon on the Mount, right from where we started, I think it was in Matthew chapter 5, where he's, doing, where he's speaking the Beatitudes, you know, blessed are the, you know, he says things like the poor in spirit, or those that mourn, and, and then he gives the blessing that will come. Right from there, all, we're still in the Sermon on the Mount, because the Beatitudes are the first part of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, we have to remember who Jesus is. Jesus is God with us. He is one of the three of the Trinity. I'm not going to talk about the Trinity today. Maybe one day we will. I don't know. That's a, you know, that would be a challenge for me, but exciting, but not today. But saying that to say that all three parts of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all three are equally God, and they form one God, and he is our one God. So Jesus is God, and he's giving a sermon. Um, and I always say this, I say this every week, because it's important to remember that in a sermon that Jesus is preaching, is that this is God talking to us here. You know, Jesus, the Son of God, is talking to us. And anyone, if you got a message on your... Um, social media that said, hey, God's going give, to give a sermon today at such and such place, um, at such and such time, you would be there. I would be there. I would certainly be there. I'd be filming it on my phone. Oh my goodness, yes. And um, hey, this is that sermon and we get to look at that. And we get to, to hear the words of Jesus fresh to our ears through the power of the Holy Spirit enlightening us and opening our eyes to what God is saying to us, and I know he spoke to me this week as I did the study for this, and boy, he challenges me, he helps me, he gives me strength, he rubs off my rough edges, and that's what's supposed to happen when we read the Word of God. So here we go. We're going to continue on today. I'm going to take a sip of tea here. This is super hot, so you're going to get to watch me burn my mouth, potentially, here. Yeah, it's really hot, but Okay. Here we go. Can't promise there won't be interruptions. Poppy the dog is sitting over there to the side. The postman has not been yet. And I am expecting a phone call, but I'm not going to answer it. Someone else is going to answer that for me. So you might hear the phone ring. Anyway, let's get into Matthew chapter 6. And we are in verses 25 through 34. And the title of today's Bible study and what Jesus is talking about, what we're going to look at, and I love this because, boy, does it speak to my soul. And I know it's going to speak to your soul because this is a problem with every human being that we have had to face at one time or another, or maybe you're facing it right now. And that is, do not worry. Yes, Jesus went there. Do not worry. Okay, I'm going to read it. Let's read it. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. Whatever version you have is fine, as long as it's a version that you understand nice and clear. This is just happens to be the Bible that I have, and I don't know, kind of like it. I've had it for a lot of years. 
So here we go. Verse 25 of Matthew chapter 6, entitled, Do Not Worry. And this is Jesus speaking. This in my Bible is the red letter edition. Jesus' words are in red. This is Jesus speaking. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Verse 26, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not, are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, could add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? I sometimes hear myself saying, What shall I wear? I mean, as I stand in front of my closet, right? And I go, Oh, no clothes. For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Oh my goodness. I'm so grateful that this was included in Jesus' sermon of these, these verses right here. These like six or seven more than that verses, 25 through 34. I am so grateful because they speak to my life um, about life, right? Okay, now a reminder um, of last week because today's scriptures and uh, are contingent upon last week, okay? They sort of hinge on what we talked about last week. Remember, this is one sermon of Jesus. Now, I have given a sermon before. And what I like to do, and Jesus is a better sermon giver than I'll ever be, but what a person who's giving a sermon, when they give a good sermon, it usually has one theme. And everything else hinges off of that one theme. So you don't want to deviate too far from the theme. So the theme of last week was about storing up treasure in heaven and not on earth because our where our treasure is there our heart is right and what is our heart we talked about this in weeks past you can go back to former weeks and find the ones on the heart all the ones of Matthew chapter 6 and you can look at um it's available on the um the website okay so the heart is the head office of your whole life right and where your treasure is is where your heart is Okay, and number two, Jesus talked about serving either God or worldly wealth and that you can't serve both. And by default, if you don't choose God, then you automatically are serving what he termed mammon. And mammon um, was 
what he was speaking of there is worldly wealth. That's what that means. Riches of this life, earthly life. Um, what this world counts as riches. And I just want to point something out about that. Because I, I don't want you to be mistaken and think, well, I'm poor. So I'm not all about, even though I'm not a godly person, if someone says that, I'm poor. So that doesn't, doesn't apply to me. Just remember this, that lack is part of serving mammon as well, serving worldly riches. Because um, Jesus wasn't talking about being rich, okay? What he was talking about when he says you can't serve God or worldly wealth, what he's saying that everyone who doesn't serve God and choose to be the servant of God, even the, um, even the very poor, they're still serving the wealth of this life. You see, it's a heart matter because the poor can be just as greedy as the wealthy. It's what's going on in the heart. So it's not about, oh, well, I'm not rich, so I'm okay. No, 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 no. Um, it's just that when you choose to serve the riches of this life, let me just tell you, mammon is not a good master. Um, uh, if you're in poverty, mammon don't care. <laughs> okay? It doesn't care. It's like, so what? You're poor. Pfft. Tough. You're rich? Eh. You know. Tough. Mammon, mammon doesn't care. You know, when you serve worldly wealth, there is no heart to that because it's not a living God. Okay, our God is a living God, cares and loves and um, helps. All right. Okay, so that's what we talked about last week. This week hangs upon that, is contingent upon that. Okay, how, is, how so, right? Let's begin with this one little word. We, we began at verse 25 of Matthew chapter 6. There is no word in here that's not important. And the word here that it opens up with is, Therefore, right, when someone says, therefore, that means they've just said something, and what they're going to say now is based on what they just said, okay? So, with that little review of earthly treasure should be stored in heaven, we should choose to serve God and not worldly wealth, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. Do you see these next promises that Jesus is going to talk about, about not worrying because God provides and look, he feeds the birds and look how beautiful the flowers are dressed. And this is, if he can dress the flowers, think of what he can do for you and aren't you more of more worth. This is not for everybody. This is not Jesus talking to everybody. Remember that the Sermon on the Mount was to his followers, people who were his followers. He's talking to the godly, to the ones who choose God. These promises that Jesus is speaking about, about not to worry, are for the godly, or for the one who have chosen to serve God, who have, for the one who doesn't choose to live for worldly wealth, the one who chooses to store treasure in heaven um, as more important than building and accruing stuff on this earth. That's who this promise is for. Therefore, if you choose God as the one whom you're going to serve, you're going to be the servant of God rather than the servant of men. Therefore, you don't have to worry, okay? So that's who this promise is for, the godly, okay? It's only for those who choose to serve God rather than the riches of life. So in other words, um, if you're a person who puts more store into laying up earthly treasures and riches and serves the God of this world in, in doing that, because that's how you serve the God of this world. The God of this world is all about material wealth, material, what you can see, what you can touch, what you can feel, you know, 
who um, I've heard this expression, he who has the most toys wins. No, he who has the most toys just has a lot of stuff. You got a lot of stuff and that's about it. Because I know people with a lot of stuff and uh, some, some of those people are the emptiest people I know. Okay. Um, so he's saying, if you choose to serve the God of this world and it's all about this life and about storing treasure in this world and not serving God, then you have cause to worry. You're right to worry. You should be worried. It's not going to do anything for you. But to have that feeling of anxiety, quite appropriate. Because you're pretty much hanging on nothing. you got nothing under you. You've got no stability. You have got no platform of stability under your feet. I'd worry. And Jesus is saying, unless you choose God, worry is your portion. Okay. So if you choose to live for the God of this world, you aren't living in this promise that we're going to talk about. Um, but God will provide your needs if, if, um, if you choose to serve him. If you choose him. Okay? Now the whole Sermon on the Mount is Jesus telling his followers, the followers of God, that they're to be different from the ungodly. Right from the Beatitudes. Right? The, one, the ones who've chosen not to serve God, but live for this life, don't put any store into the next life, he's telling that his followers, he's telling his followers, the ones who are the godly, right, um, that they are to stand out as followers of God, and they're not to react to this life in the same way that the ungodly react to this life. The things that happen, the wind and the waves, the, the, the upsets of life, the godly are to have a different reaction than the ungodly. And Jesus is pointing that out in the entire Sermon on the Mount. Let's look at the very first when we were in chapter 5. It's a quick review. When we went the Beatitudes. Um, he's saying that the godly were to be poor in spirit. Mourners of, do, of wrongdoing against God uh, for sin in their life. Um, they are to hunger for God. They are to be merciful, pure in heart. Peacemakers, and by peacemakers, he meant to tell other people how they can have peace with God through, through following Jesus. That they would be persecuted for righteousness' sake. All qualities that the ungodly don't put much store in. Okay, so right from the beginning, he's telling his followers, you are to be different. And in this way, in these ways, you are to be different. And then he goes on to talk about in the Sermon on the Mount, that we are salt and we are light. Again, a quality of the godly and not the ungodly. Um, then he preaches that it's not enough to just be seen doing right. You know, just doing it on the outside. But that we're to follow the commandments of God because our heart is right with God. And we do it from devotion toward him and not out of duty. Um, again, a quality of the godly and not the ungodly. To have it be something from the heart, to have your heart in devotion to God. That's, that's not an ungodly quality. That's a godly quality. And now, this is where I'm talking about how all the past things he's spoken of, now that we're talking about not worrying, all this is contingent upon all of that, upon Jesus saying, listen, followers of God, followers of me, of Jesus saying, if you're following me, you are going to be different from the world in the way you um, don't worry, okay? Um, okay, the word worry here 
that he's saying is a word that means to divide into parts. And the word suggests a distraction, okay? This word worry. A preoccupation with things causing stress and pressure. Okay, so how is worry a distraction? How is it? It's distracting us, if we're godly, from the fact that we have a heavenly father who is ever mindful of our daily needs. When we are a godly person, we can be different because this worry, these things, which are very real things, um, the need for food, the need for shelter, the need for clothing, the need for whatever we need for that day, all right? We're distracted when we're staring at the worries and not staring at the word of God, which tells us we have a heavenly father who cares about us, who is a supplier of our needs. If he is our God, then he is our supplier, then he cares and he wants to do for his children. That's why he calls and Jesus calls him heavenly father. Think about that. A father in, in a family who has a ch child, who has children, wants to provide for his children. That's what father means. The father of, of a child is the provider and the giver to that child, the sustainer of that child's life. And that's what Jesus calls Father God in these, script in these um, verses here. Okay. So let's look at verses 25 through 26. Okay. He mentions this. He mentions uh, eating drinking and clothing, right? These are three specific th things that Jesus says not to worry about. Now, these things, eating, drinking, clothing, these are the things that take up the entire thought processes um, and the life of the ungodly, those things. What am I gonna eat? What am I gonna drink? What am I gonna wear? The material, what you can see, touch, feel, you know, that is everything. To the ungodly it's everything because think about it it's all they have if you don't have god if you choose not to choose god if you choose not to focus on god if you choose to ignore the fact that um that you are a spiritual being and you have a creator if you choose to ignore all that then you're really only working with what you can see feel touch that's about it but the godly the godly ones know that there is more to life. We know there is more to life if we're godly. We know that there's a whole realm that we cannot see, right? That realm is eternal. That's what he was talking about and storing up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Don't store it here on the earth where it's going to corrupt and break and mold and rot, you know? One, one good rain on your, you know, beautiful metal patio set and you've got rust on it already, you know? But he's telling us that there's a place where we can be storing our treasure and that's eternal and that's the longer part of our existence. This, what we're experiencing now here on the earth, living on this earth in this earth suit, this is the shorter part of our timeline, okay? Also, um, he says, uh, consider the birds in, in these scriptures at the beginning. He says, consider the birds, look at the birds of the air for they neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns. Birds have needs. They do. They need to eat or they'll die, right? They need water or they'll just, you know, die. They have needs. Do they worry about their needs? No, but they do work. Let's consider that. I, I have a garden outside and I watch them every day, these birds. Early birds. It's a thing. The early birds. You know when they say the early bird catches the worm? They're out there. 
And they just know. It's like they have faith that they know. I'm going to go right now. I'm going to go stick my beak in the ground, have a little pick around, pick around this whole garden. I'm going to find myself a nice juicy worm. I just know it, you know? Or I'm going to search around a few gardens. I'm going to find myself a bird feeder. It'll come up. I'm not worrying. I'm not stressing. Jesus says, look, the birds do that. They don't stress about it. They have needs. You know what? I don't, I don't say I call it faith for them, but they certainly aren't worried. And they know that every day they're going to eat something. They're going to find water. They're going to get, you know, find a nice little bird bath to roll around in. Okay. Um, they do work. So um, let's consider this. If you have a job, even if you're not loving your job that much, be thankful for it. Because when God gives us a job, it's, it's from him. It is one way that God supplies our need. That is one way that he does it. If you have a job, say thank you, God, for my job. Because it's from him. It's a, it's a source. So when you're working, you're not unlike a bird, right? That is from God. That is the provision of God. Because there's many people without jobs right now, and they want jobs. Because they know that's a, that's a, a great way for God to provide for us. Okay. Now, verse 26. He's just talked about birds, right? And how God provides for the birds every day. They're not stressing. They're not worrying. They wake up every day. They know they're going to be fed, right? Verse 26, um, your heavenly father feeds them. And then he ends verse 26 with, are you not of more value than they? <clears throat> Some of our worry, I'd say a lot of our worry, maybe all of our worry, is not knowing our value before God. We don't know our worth. You know, sometimes you probably look in the mirror and you just see, again, the natural, the physical. Maybe you woke up this morning with your hair everywhere. Maybe you got a really bad haircut and you're just looking at yourself thinking, oh, ugly. Or you're saying, oh, look at these features that I'm not happy with. Let me just tell you, God is not looking at that. He's just looking at you as a whole and he's loving you. When we, are to, when we look at ourselves and, and we, we devalue ourselves, that is wrong. Because, consider this. That to God, we were worth the sacrifice, the death, the cruel, terrible death of his only son. When we put it in that perspective, it's easier to see our worth. That we were worth his most treasured possession. That he gave his son for us. Can that not make you sense the value upon your life? That you were worth. You were worth it to him to give his son. I don't know if I'd give my son. No, I don't know if I would. You know? But to God, his only son, you were worth that. Consider that. Meditate on that. Especially if you've got low self-esteem. Just look at the in the mirror every day. And as you're looking in the mirror, just brushing your hair, brushing your teeth, doing what you do every day. Say this to yourself. I was worth the sacrifice of Jesus. Every day. If you need to say that ten times a day, then do it. Because you need to know that you have great wealth in the eyes of God. Okay. Also, animals, um, they don't think about anything more than eating and, and survival. That's everything to an animal, right? That's all they think about. They don't sit around and, and have a good think about the meaning of life. I mean, I have a lovely little dog. Um, if I don't feed her, she gets quite feisty and mean. But 
Um, so I feed her and all is well. But I never see my little dog sitting there thinking, what is my life about? What is the meaning of life? What does eternity mean? Never, you're never gonna see them out there doing that. And that's because we are different. We are made in the image and the likeness of God. You will never find an animal, any animal, even an animal that science says we are so close to in, um, in looks and in the way we behave. We're still different. We are still different. We have a, a, uh, a realm of thinking that um, we think, think about this. The fact that there's no other creature that ponders the meaning of their life. Not one. Not an ape. Not a dolphin. Not an elephant. All they think about every day is, gotta find food, gotta find a comfortable place to sit out of the sun, survival. That's it. And they don't even think about it. It's innate in them. It's, it's no, for example, no, nobody teaches a bird to make a nest. It's innate. It's in them, you know? People have to learn these things, you know? Like a, a mom or a dad has to learn to be a parent. You know, but uh, birds don't have to learn these things. It's innate. It's in them. We are different. We are different. We are made in the image and the likeness of God himself is what the scripture says. Okay. So when it says, is, when it says, are you not worth more than sparrows? Yes, we are. That was a rhetorical question. Yes, we are. Okay. Um, okay. But when you're ungodly and you worry, or when an ungodly person is sitting there stewing in their worry and in their anxiety, they're really not considering themselves any better than animals in their way of life. You know, they're not seeing that there's something higher. They're really just thinking like an animal. And that's not godly. That's not how we were made. They don't consider that there's anything more important to think about than I need clothes, it's getting cold, I need a coat, I need shoes, I need food, I need for survival. Survival is everything to the ungodly. Again, Jesus is pointing out how the godly are different, or they should be different, okay? We as the godly should be different. Okay, verse 27. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to your statue? This is Jesus' way of saying worry is pointless and it solves no problems. No matter how much worry you put into a situation, it doesn't make that situation even one bit better at all. As a matter of fact, it probably makes everything a little bit worse because worry actually creates problems, especially in a person's well-being, their health. Um, they're not sleeping properly. It can create disease because you're, you're producing chemicals in your body that are not natural shouldn't be producing too much of these chemicals and they mess up your stomach. Um, it's mental torment. I mean, you know, worry doesn't feel like it fits. You ever worry so much and you think, this is just awful and horrible. It's, it's not meant to be in us. We're not made for worry. And that's why it doesn't feel good because we're not made for it. Okay, verse 28, I love this. This shows, to me, this is just Jesus making a point, but in such a poetic way, okay? Just like he's the um, scientist of all scientists, and he's the um, author of all authors. He's the, uh, he's the creator of all creators. Here, he's the poet. He's showing us his, his poetry. Jesus, yes, 
Yes, and he says this. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that a beautiful way to put it? You know, that these flowers, they don't worry. They're beautiful. They're well-dressed. He's being beautiful and poetic here, but making a point. Making a point that, look, these flowers don't stress about a thing. They just grow up and they're beautiful. You know, when we put our trust in God, it can be the same for us. That's what Jesus is saying. Um, and also, there's a verse in Romans, Romans 14, 23. And the end of that verse says this, And everything that does not come from faith is sin. Wow. Okay. Everything. When we're not trusting God, you know, we could sort of say to ourselves, oh, poor me, poor me, I'm just having anxiety. Actually, we need to just repent if we're a godly person, if we are a Christian and we are a follower of God, because it says that everything that does not come from faith is sin. And that's, and that's right here in verse 30. It says, now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into to the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Actually, you of little faith is not a little problem, but it's a sin. It's an outright sin because according to Romans 14, 23, that which does not come from faith is sin. So we need to call worry what it is. It's sin. And we need to repent of it. According to the scriptures, According to what Jesus says, okay, I heard a pastor put it this way, that um, here's a quote, the exact quote, and it is from a pastor called Rick Warren. He wrote a great book called The Purpose Driven Life, highly recommend it, great book, you might want to go out and get that, it's a really good one. But this is his quote, and uh, this quote speaks to me. Worry is really just a form of atheism. You know what atheism is, it's, no, it's not believing in God. Worry is just a form of atheism. Every time you worry, you're acting like an atheist. You're saying, it all depends on me. That's, and that's just not in the Bible. That's Rick Warren. That's a great quote that really speaks to my soul. That every time I'm worrying, I'm, I, my, myself is saying to myself, there's no God. He's not going to do anything for me, even if there is a God. Is there a God? That's what worry is. Worry is this rumination going on you, these, these thoughts that are actually questioning. Is there even a God? Am I being looked after? Okay, verse 31. This is a good place to remind ourselves of the thing I said at the beginning, that Jesus is God with us. And remember that he is God, okay? And that he is saying this bit to us right here in verse 31. God is saying this to us. God himself comes down in human form and says this to us. I love, I love telling myself that because it's the truth. And it's, it's what God wanted to say to us when he came down in human form. Verse 31. Therefore, do not worry. <laughs> he says it. Saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? He says, just don't do it. Don't do it. To the godly, that is. Uh, let's see. Yeah. All right. So God says that, right? And, and then verse 32. 
For after all these things, the Gentiles, meaning the ungodly, the ungodly seek after all those things. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Now here's what it comes down to. This is what it comes down to. All right. Do I believe what Jesus just said there? Do I believe it? Do I believe that I have a heavenly Father? Do I believe that he knows that I have needs? Do I believe that he cares, just like Jesus just said he did? That's what it comes down to. Do I believe it? Or do I decide, no, I don't believe that. I don't believe I have a heavenly Father. No one's looking out for me. He doesn't care I have bills. He doesn't care that my children are off the rails and not loving God and doing stupid things and I'm worried. He doesn't care that um, I might lose my house. He doesn't care that I have no food and I need to I need to get some money together to buy food and I just don't know how I'm going to do it. He don't care because I don't even know if I believe in God. What am I going to choose? Write that in there. I have a choice. I have a choice right there at verses 31 and 32. To believe it or not to believe it. And that's up to me. That's up to you. Do you Am I, God, am I the godly? Have I chosen to be the servant of God rather than the servant of mammon, godly riches? And if so, can I believe Jesus? Is he worthy of me believing him? Is he worthy of me putting my trust in him? And then that reminds me of something that he is called in the book of Revelation. And it says that he has written down the side of his body like a tattoo. Faithful and true. That's his name. Faithful and true. He just said this. Faithful and true just said this. He said to Pilate, when he looked in Pilate's eyes, when he was at his um, kangaroo court there just before he was going to be crucified, and Pilate looks in his face and says, what is truth? And Jesus says, I'm truth. So do we believe him or do we not believe him? I'll tell you right now. I am choosing to go full on and believe him. And I want you to do that too because he is faithful. He is true and he cares. Hey, it's like a poem. He's faithful, he's true, and he cares for you. There you go. <laughs> Little poem, I just wrote it. But it's true. He loves you, okay? And he cares. And he's truth. All right, so we've got a choice right there to believe him or not believe him. And I say believe him because every bit of scripture backs up that he's truthful, that he never fails, that he loves you. There's nowhere in the whole scripture from Genesis to Revelation that says anything to me. Not one scripture. You will not find it. You won't find it that says, um, you know, putting your trust in God's a little shaky because sometimes he really lets you down. Um that, you know what, he's actually not as good, you know, as he paints himself out to be. You're not going to find it. You can sit there all day and I can sit there and wait while you get out your concordance, while you get out your lexicons and whatever you get out. You're not going to find it. 
because it's not in the Word of God. The living, infallible Word of God, you will not find it. That God is not good, that God is not faithful, that God is not true, that God is not good, and that God is not love. You're not going to find it. Okay? And these, this book is written by our heroes of faith. Okay. All right. So Jesus just told us not to worry, right? Um, I'm in verse 33 now. So this sort of leaves a void in us now. Okay, so, whew, all right, I'm not worrying now. I'm told not to worry. Just don't worry, right? You know that, did you ever meet someone who was depressed? And, or have you been depressed yourself? And someone says, get over it. Stop it. It doesn't help. <laughs> does it? Not one person has gotten over depression um, by someone saying, get over it. Never. And neither does that work here. So by Jesus saying, don't worry, is that actually even helpful? It is very helpful because D Jesus doesn't just leave us there. He says, don't worry, right? He says that. But then Jesus is going to give us a positive and godly replacement. That's right. He says, you know, you got all this nervous energy, right? Okay, don't worry with it. Instead, he says this. Okay, this is what he's going to say. I want to find the exact verse. Verse 33. Instead, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, the food, the, the shelter, the, the what to drink and what to wear, all these things, all your needs shall be added to you. This is what he's giving us, a practical thing to do instead of worrying. Isn't that amazing? He didn't just say, hey, buck up and stop worrying. Because he understands humans. He understands the mind. He understands that I need a godly replacement for this then. If I am not to be like the world, um, and I'm to be, to be different, then Jesus, help me and he has right here he says to seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and this then it all be added unto you but what does this mean practically what is jesus saying to do he's saying this that in every area of our lives we need to be seeking out what god wants in every area of our life okay consider the phrase right seek first the kingdom of god consider the phrase right kingdom of god where there's a kingdom, you have a king, yes? Um, and as his godly ones, we're to seek to please our king, because he's our king. If, if we are his subjects, and this kingdom of God is now ours, right? Then we are the king's subjects, and we are to seek to please our king by seeking his will in our lives. How do we do that? Number one, what does he tell us is his will? How do we know it? It's in the Word of God. By looking in the Word of God and knowing what He says we are to do, how we are to live our lives, the, the ways that we are to live our lives, what our priorities should be. Okay, and number two, so we go to the Word to look at how He wants us to live our lives and what manner. And then number two, as, as we're in relationship with our King, with Him, what specific things is He bringing to our attention in our lives? You know, making him Lord of our lives is a lifelong journey. We don't automatically on day one give him our all, okay? When we come to him, we think we're giving our all, but actually we're giving whatever we know to bring. We say, I give you my life, 
But now the journey begins. And what's going to happen is, as we're in the Word of God, and as we're allowing the Word of God to speak to our lives, as we're doing life, right, as a godly person, He's going to bring stuff up. He's going to tap you on the shoulder, the Holy Spirit, and say, you know, I don't like it when you say that. You know, Gina, it's... It's not helpful when you say those things about those people. You should be speaking better things about those people. Gina, um, for example, even with this worry thing, um, Gina, don't you trust me? Haven't I been faithful to you in this and in this and in this part of your life? Don't you think you can trust me in this part of your life as well? And as I have a relationship with him and he brings things up in my life, my lifelong relationship is going to enable me to bring every part, the all of my life, to let him be Lord of all of my life, king of all the parts of my life. But that only happens in relationship. That only happens with the godly. This is another way that we are different as the godly. Okay, verse 34. Mm-mm-mm. And we are coming in for landing soon. Yeah, yeah, we are. Verse 34. Okay, this is the last verse that we are looking at here. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Oh, right. I've heard that, this verse many times, you know, sufficient is the evil of the day, you know. And if you think about it, most of our fears, most of our anxieties and worries are about what will happen down the line. Isn't it? It's never really about what's in the moment, is it? It's always about worrying about something for another day. You know, worrying about uh, what the doctor might say about this little niggly pain we have. Worrying about the fact that our bank account's not looking so healthy. And what might happen when that day comes that I get this and that bill. Uh, One day, what will happen with... It's always about one day. Think about it. It's always about tomorrow. It's never really about in the moment what's happening right now. And Jesus says, don't even worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about it because tomorrow's not even ours. We're here right here. We're here right now. We have grace for today, for this moment, for what's happening now. Tomorrow's not even here. How's the grace there for tomorrow if it's not even tomorrow yet? You know? And, and, You know, there's a lot I can say in it, but most of our fears are about what will happen. And what will happen is usually future and tomorrow. Let me read this scripture from the Passion Translation because it's so beautiful in that version and it's so practical. That's what I love. I love practical things that are um, doable. And this shows you how that verse, the verses in verse 33 and verse 34, You can be so practical about them. And this this is those words. So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things, the Bible considers food, shelter, clothing, as less important than going hard after God and, 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 and chasing after God. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Refuse, that's a a practical thing we can do, refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. 
tomorrow will take care of itself. You know, whatever is in our hands to do at the moment for whatever situation we're facing, do whatever, put everything in God's hands, say, I, I, I give this over to you, I commit this to you, God, then do whatever it is your hands, whatever is in your hands to do for that moment. Maybe in that moment you have to make a phone call and you need to call a bank manager. All right, that's what you have to do now. Do it after you have committed it to God, prayed about it, asked for his help, then you make that next step and do whatever it is in the moment to do. I love that where it says that. Refuse to worry, but deal with each challenge that comes your way, one day at a time, for tomorrow will care for itself. You know, and that's the words of God to us. Um, and as the godly, not the worldly, because we're not the worldly, who serve the riches, the ungodly serve the riches of this life, the material. We, as the godly, have the privilege to take Jesus, Jesus up on this promise that we have no need to be, remember what I said, worrying it was like a distraction. We have no need to be distracted by our circumstances. But we can choose to trust God, refuse to worry, and believe that God is going to take care of us. And I'm going to read one more verse from Philippians 4 and verse 6, and then I'm done, okay? I'm finished. Can you just shut this door for me for a second? Can you just shut this door for me? This is it. This is the last. Sorry. problems. Um, make your request known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the heritage of the godly. This is what we have because of Jesus, but because we are his godly ones. We are a very blessed people. Anyway, don't worry this week. Go over those scriptures. Have a wonderful week. God bless.